never give up, even if your ideas seem out of reach. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast, a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history, stories, and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast. I'm your host, Nostalgia FB, and we're excited to be chatting with Alex of Peak Fingerboards. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on your streaming platform of choice. This show is sponsored by Fingerspace Co., which provides fingerboard gear for writers of all skill levels and budgets. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. How you doing? I've, I'm doing well. How, how are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Now, Alex, the first question we like to ask everybody that comes onto our show is how did you hear about and get into fingerboarding? Well, I think it's a lot like most of us makers and companies. A lot of people who get into fingerboarding all started out skateboarding or having some kind of interest in skateboarding, be it through the video games or anything like that. So yeah, I grew up skateboarding throughout, say around the mid 2000s. Me and my brother would go around and, you know, skate throughout the neighborhood. From there, we found out about tech decks and all started from there. Now, what year would you say you started fingerboarding you found out about tech decks i mean you said uh, you started skating in the mid-2000s how long after i'd say maybe around 2005 2006 okay so fairly early on correct now how did you find out about the lovely world of artisanal fingerboarding how i like to put it the wooden boards the black river the flat face are seen as we know it today I guess I didn't really know much about wooden fingerboards until uh, Tech Deck made their first ones. Okay. And then, you know, I always saw them in store. I never picked one up, though. Didn't really have the funds for it. But to actually start making my own, I didn't think about that until about 2019. At my previous workplace, a co-worker brought in a Tech Deck and, you know, played around with it and stuff. At that point, I haven't messed with a Tech Deck in years. And I asked him if I could do a couple things on it and fell in love with it again and thought I could try and do something more and decided to try and make my own. Awesome. Now, did you know about the fingerboarding community before that or no? You were still just thought it was tech decks and you were like, well, why don't I try and doing something on my own? here?" Yeah, I, I had no idea until I uh, started doing research on how to create my own. And then I came across all these just amazing companies on Instagram, seeing all the just amazing and beautiful boards and obstacles and wheels that they all made and just really inspired me. What were your thoughts when you found out that this was an actual thing? Like, I can remember the day, the room that I was in in 2010 when I first clicked on Flatface's website when I Googled up a fingerboard. That was my first exposure to this. What were your thoughts when you're like, wow, this is a thing? Oh, I was mind blown. I did not know there was or people could do the kinds of things that they can do on a fingerboard. All these tricks and combos and whatnot. It really blew my mind to see how realistic it looked and just how much fun all these people had. It was just one thing to another and I'm hooked onto it now and... <laughs> Yeah, you got bit and you got the bug. Yeah, exactly. Now, before you started Peak, did you ever end up getting another fingerboard or an actual quote-unquote setup? Or did you go from discovering this to straight into making your own decks? I went from discovering it to making my own. I had some tech decks lying around and decided to add my own spin on it and make my own wooden ones. So I uh, did a lot of 3D modeling and trial and error to create my first mold and uh, went through many, many molds trying to get the right one. 
once I found one I liked, I kind of stuck with it. And that's kind of how it started out. How it all started. That's interesting. When interviewing a lot of deck makers and a lot of companies or even in the more modern times, a lot of people don't really make their own molds anymore. I mean, back in the day, that's kind of what you had to do, whether if it was with Bondo or early days of 3D printing or getting them custom made. What was that process like? How did you first start making or designing your own mold? I had a little experience in 3D modeling and I saw kind of the basic shapes of what molds look like. And from there, I just kind of looked at about roughly what the average lengths and widths and hole bases and stuff were and then just kind of took my own measurements and fiddled around with it a lot and once I got what I like just modeled it all up 3d printed it and that's how I have my molds and I really like creating my own with the 3d printing because I can make as many as I want not have to worry too much about shipping or price. It's a lot cheaper. And if I ever have a new idea, I can just quickly model it up and throw it on the printer. Man, that's awesome. If you don't mind me asking, what were some of the trials or the struggles that you had trying to do that or anything that sticks out to you where it was like, okay, that was difficult to do? I guess the most difficult part for me was trying to get the concaves just right. I offer three different concaves. I have a, a low, a medium, and a high. And trying to get those to evenly spread out through the entire decks and the mold was probably the hardest part because before I had to, I was making a separate mold for 32, 33, 34. But now once I figured it out, now I just have one mold that can do all the way up to, I think, about a 36 width. Nice. So you're doing all this before ever trying out another fingerboard? That is correct. Yeah, I see all these awesome wooden ones on the Instagram and the companies make, and I just never reached out to purchase one. You want to do it yourself. So having no other reference besides pictures and videos, it was kind of really just what felt right to you and your fingers? Yeah, that is correct. I like it this way. I feel like it's more of a personal deck that's unlike anything out there. It has all my specific specifications and everything and everything that I feel like was right, even though I'm not the best at fingerboarding. It felt right to me. And once I got some out to some people to test out and they really loved it, and I just kind of kept improving on that and refining things a little more. Nice. What kind of refinements did, did you have to make? One of the other big things I had was getting the truck holes just right. Trying to find that online, you can't really find it, or at least I couldn't find that information anywhere. So a lot of trial and error through there. A lot of, okay. With all my molds, I designed them to have the holes in the molds so I can drill right through it. So I'll have perfect holes every time. But yeah, trying to get those measurements, trying to figure all that out was, was a real pain. <laughs> yeah, but it's all trial and error. And I'll tell you what, I make decks as well, uh, just for myself and friends, and I do sell a couple, but I have a mold where it has indentations for you to drill your holes to, mm -hmm. and I've still messed them up. So <laughs> it, def it takes a lot of practice. Yeah, exactly. I had to reinforce mine so it uh, they don't go out of whack or anything like that. Now, you started with your decks, and from looking at your, your Instagram page, excuse me, going all the way down, it seems to have been small batched, painted, handcrafted boards. You see this progression going through with different paintings, split plies. Now you get into graphics and real graphics. The progression is very, very fast. What was your inspiration to keep moving and how did you do that? 
growing up, I always loved making things and creating things and seeing what kind of things people in the fingerboarding community were, were being able to make and create really inspired me to just keep on pushing forward and keep trying new things. And I still have a million ideas that I want to get through, but I've kind of learned to kind of control myself and <laughs> try and pace it all out. I see. You have so many ideas that you want to put out, but only have so much time to do a certain amount of things, but you can never stop thinking of other things to do. Exactly. I constantly have a list uh, in my head and that I'm writing down of things I want to do next. And before I can even get to that list, I have new ideas popping up. It's a mess of a list, but it uh, it keeps me keeps me going and keeps me always having something to do to create something new. That's good. That's really, really good. Now, besides fingerboard decks, you also do wheels. That is correct. And I'll say I'm a little bit of, of a wheel connoisseur. Now, I've never tried your wheels, but they look fantastic. Thank you. And it seems that you have different types, different colors, different materials and different patterns. Do you want to talk about your wheels a little bit? Yeah, sure. Started out with 3D printing wheels. Those were really great. I like doing those a lot. The only problem with that is with the 3D printing, there was a lot of inconsistencies on a lot of the batches I was making. So I would have to get rid of about half the wheels that I made to get the ones that were perfect. So that went well. And then I always wanted to try out crafting my own with a lathe. And it Trying to figure out the right materials for that was a nightmare and trying to figure out which kind of lathe to get and all that. So tons of trial and error, tons of money spent trying to figure out that process. But once I figured it out and now I offer urethane wheels mainly in 70D durometer and the shapes. I have the regular Denali's, which are about 7.5 by 5.5. And then I made a slim size, which is about a full millimeter shorter or uh, thinner. Nice. And then I also offer some cores, which are about a full millimeter smaller. So yeah, trying to create new colors and new sizes. I've always got things I want to do for that. And I love trying to make new color combos and stuff for the different seasons or different holidays or anything like that. Trying to keep something new every year. Let me see. One example of that, as I'm looking at your page right now, actually, is what you kind of did in celebration for kind of May the 4th, your lightsaber-inspired Denali wheels, which look great, by the way. Thank you. I'm just a big fan of the bright colors and all the different patterns. Now, when it comes to deck making, there is a lot of work that goes into it, and especially for a person like you that makes their own molds and does everything to a custom point. You know, it's not something you're going to get anywhere else. But other than that, it's mm -hmm. pretty standard. And I say that as a deck maker myself. I mean, you have wood, five pieces standard of glue, If whether you want to use wood glue or any other type of glue and you put it in a mold and then you sand it or you use a router, whatever you want to do. But it's pretty basic and everybody has a knowledge of how to do it. Not that everybody can do it. When it comes to wheels, it's not that open. The wheel market isn't that that easy to, to get into. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not asking you to give away any trade secrets, but would you break down what that process was a little bit on how making a wheel or how you started making wheels to begin with? Where do you even begin? Yeah, sure thing. So the material itself was thing in itself trying to figure out exactly what worked best, what kind of plastics or urethanes or any of that. To figure that out is just tons of doing research and seeing what kind of urethanes and stuff you can find online. But to start the actual cutting and lathing the wheels, I actually got a lot of inspiration from DK. 
They are always posting on their stories, their wheel making process, showing little snippets of them cutting out their wheels on their lathe. And seeing that gave me a lot more ideas on how the process actually worked and the kind of tools that were used. So once I saw that, I did a ton of research, uh, finding a good lathe. It was kind of a risk there just because I had never done it before and the lathes, they're not cheap. So it was a big risk there taking that. And thankfully, I was able to figure out how to use the lathe and figure out how to cut the wheels with the tools. I do know that most people that make wheels on a lathe, they all use different tools. Some of them create their own tools. But as far as the process, it's all about the same, unless you want to mold your wheels, pouring them into, I'm assuming, like an aluminum cavity to make wheels. I've also looked into that, but I haven't quite figured that out yet. (laughs) You simplified it, but that sounds like a lot, especially the commitment that you made, like you mentioned, with buying a lathe and getting a lathe in and of itself. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people, you know, would think, oh, let me let me go to a workshop or I'm not sure where if where you're located, you can actually have workshops where you can rent tools and use a workshop. But buying it yourself just off the bat. I commend you for that. But you made it work. Yeah. Took me a while to build up the courage to do that. But I was pretty confident that I could make it work one way or another. With making wheels, what kind of developments or changes came from when you started up until now? I know you said you started with 3D printing, but what's kind of the history and the evolution that came with that? What I want to do for my store I want to be able to offer just about everything to get you to be able to get a full setup and to get riding. So I wanted to offer decks, trucks, wheels, working on obstacles, and all the little accessories and stuff. I want to be kind of a store that has a little bit of everything. So creating the wheels, creating them out of plastic first with a 3D printer, it's something that I already had available and I was able to experiment and to see if I liked doing it. But I've always had people commenting, wanting to know when I would ever try and get to the urethane market. So that was always in my head, trying to figure that out. I always wanted to do it and I wanted to make something that was more realistic as well, like a real skateboard. So getting into the urethane wheels was definitely a goal that I was going towards. Once I figured out the urethane, trying to figure out the right sizes and everything also took some time and sending them out to people to test out. Thankfully for a couple of the riders who ride peak wheels, Suburban FB and Doki FB, they have both been fantastic. They've shown me support, love, and I I really did appreciate every last bit of it. And they always told me how how much they loved my wheels. And so I asked them if they wanted to join. And having them be a part of the team and be able to test out products and let me know how they last, how they do, all that stuff has really helped out a ton. Because like I said, I'm not very good at fingerboarding at all. So having some really good, really experienced people be able to do that has helped out a ton. Man, I can only imagine the feedback that that they've all given you. What kind of has changed? What do you think was the biggest thing that changed when you were developing the wheels from when you started and you were like, oh, you know what? I don't like that. Let me change it into this right where you wanted it, like off the spot. No, I, I didn't get it right off the spot. Trying to figure out a good thickness, I feel like was kind of tough. My wheels, the regular Denali ones, they are a little thicker, 5.5 thickness. Uh, I feel like it's something, it's a little kind of not too slim, not too thick, but kind of a just right. But trying to get that just right took some time. I made a lot of them that were really slim, a lot of them that were really thick. And that's just kind of the middle ground that I came to. Okay. That and along with, I changed up the bearings that I use from making the plastic wheels. 
the bearings I use now, super smooth. They do take some time to break in, but they provide a good smooth experience. Nice. Now you do have a new wheel dropping this Thursday, actually the day after this podcast should be coming out, June 17th, and it's going to be dual core wheels. How long have you been working on those? Um, I haven't been working on them too long. I always had the thought in my mind of I always wanted to do it. So I just sat down one day, experimented a lot, and came up with something that I really liked. So it all happened in a very, very short time frame. Trying to, to get a good design and one that was to try to get the cores nice and centered and all that. Okay. And that just leaves for more ideas running through my head on what I want to do next with all the different colors that I can use that I already have planned pretty excited for that any little tidbits or sneak peeks that you want to want to mention i'll say uh july 4th july 4th we'll definitely have some stuff coming out oh that's gonna be great this might be a hard question to answer but of all the products that you've done out of all the decks that you've dropped all the collabs and different series and different colors and there's a lot you've done a lot in a matter of two years i will say that is there something that sticks out to you that's your favorite? You know, it's really hard to pick a favorite because everything that I decide to make, I make it because I like it and I want to do it. So it's really hard to pick something that I like more than the other. All being the uh, things that I create, I just kind of like them all equal, uh, almost. Yeah. I will say I really do like how the wheels are turning out there now, all the urethane wheels. So getting those, I've been kind of working more on those than I have been on decks. I feel like once I work on something for a while, I get a little, not burned out, but I kind of need to move on something new. And that happens with a ton of my projects. I'm always starting something and moving on to the next before I finish it. So taking a break from decks for a bit, I still make them, um, just not as many right now. But in moving on to the wheels, it's kept me going on something new and keeping me fresh and new ideas always rolling up. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It almost, it rejuvenates your love for something that you're already passionate about. Correct, yeah. Being able to be creative again in, in a different way. That, that is exactly right. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do have last two questions for you, really. I already asked you out of everything that you've made, what was your favorite? But is there a particular piece of fingerboarding gear or gadget or gizmo that you own that you've gotten from somebody else or whatnot that you look at it and you're like, that's my pinnacle of my collection. That's a piece that I hold dearer than everything else. I wouldn't say really uh, decks or wheels or any of that. I do like collecting unique and interesting obstacles, though, even though I can't use them to the best they could be used. But a lot of interesting ones out there that really strike me as being just kind of pieces of art. I know I have an obstacle, a recycled skateboard obstacle from Goo. I got one of the new obstacles from Jelly Ramps. And there's, there's a couple others out there that are more of just pieces that are not only functional, but really nice to look at and just to have on your desk or something. Seeing those, it just kind of inspires me more to not only get better and to mess around with them more, but just to look at the craftsmanship of what this community can actually do. Nice. It's always good to have something that you can look at and it progresses you and makes you move forward. Now, Alex, for those individuals listening to this, to your fans or to anybody that might have just stumbled upon this that's interested in kind of doing what you're doing and wants to be like peak fingerboards one day, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Never give up. Even if your ideas seem out of reach, always try and strive to make with what you have. You might not have the best 
equipment or tools or any of that, but just trying and creating something is always a step forward and trying to improve that definitely has helped me and I think will help others into getting more into creating fingerboards or anything like that. And once you create your first product, you get this feeling of just accomplishment. And once you have someone test it out or if you start making boards and have your first orders or any of that, seeing people, at least for me, seeing people post about peak fingerboards, any of the products on their their Instagrams, um, making posts about them, it's always such an amazing feeling seeing people enjoy the things that I create. And that is what keeps me going. So just always trying and never giving up. It always experiment is something that is I feel like would help out a lot of people and it's a lot easier said than done but that's kind of the mindset that I've gone towards nice very very solid words of wisdom and encouragement there now Alex the rest of the time is yours man anybody you want to shout out let everybody know now where can we find you your website the Instagram all the socials and all that good stuff yeah so uh, Instagram uh, you can check it out at peak fingerboards all lowercase no spaces all one word also have a Facebook page it's peak fingerboards there's a space in between there and I do want to also shout out all the writers for peak at suburban underscore SB underscore FB at awesome, FB and at tuck finger they have all been really amazing and truly supportive and i couldn't have done a lot of this without them they have really helped me to refine things and to show me what works best and what they really enjoy and it helps me to keep improving and to keep moving on and yeah i do want to uh, shout out my family and my girlfriend and they have all been super supportive ever since covid hit my job is a uh, kind of an apple technician kind of went on hold and from there i just decided to try and make fingerboards and try to make something happen from it and that's kind of where it all kicked off and having that support from all those people has helped out tremendously that's awesome man and i have to say you are definitely an inspiration to a lot of individuals including myself just looking at the work and all the things that you do it is awesome it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you so much again for coming on yeah and thank you so much for having me all right man until the next one stay safe Thank you. You do the same. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by, and don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Finger Space Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.